We have a guest speaker with us today, and many of you know him because he's been a partner and friend of our church for a long time, a few years now. Uh, he works with I Empathize. If you're not familiar with what I Empathize is, check out iempathize.org. They work to uh, bring awareness and prevention when it comes to human trafficking and child exploitation. So uh, he is their program coordinator, the LA Hub coordinator for I Empathize. They're doing some really amazing things. They are a local and global partner of ours. We participate in giving financially to them uh, as one of our Beyond Us partners. So we are really glad to have Guido Hygienis with us this morning. And he's going to be coming and bringing a word for us. So thanks, guys. Welcome up. All right. Thanks, Nick. So, um, yeah, it's been a while since I've been here. Um, it's great to see it's great to see some of you <laughs> that, um, yeah, that I've known right, for, uh, for a long time. And so, um, and, and even the last couple times I've been to uh, this church, you know, I usually will share something about my work and with I Empathize. So I'm just going to kind of wear a different hat and, you know, focus on um, just the, the message and the sermon. Um, but I want to start, um, we're going we're gonna, to um, read from John chapter 5, 1 through 17. And what I would like to do is I'm going to have Sean, he's going to read the passage that we're going to talk about today. All right. So I'll give that over there. So let's, let's give him a hand. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do this. Um, I'm reading actually from the Common English Bible, so um, if it's a little different than what you have, just uh, please forgive me. I just, I like the way the Bible flows. Um, after this, there was a Jewish festival, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate of, in the North City Wall, there was a pool with the Aramaic name Bethsaida. It had five covered porches, a crowd of people who were sick, blind, lame, paralyzed, sat there. A certain man who had been sick for 38 years was there. Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he had already been there for a long time, and asked him, do you want to get well? The sick man answered, sir, I don't have anyone who can put me into the water when it's stirred up. When I'm trying to get there, someone else got in front of, got ahead of me. Jesus said to him, pick up um, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Immediately, the man was well. He picked up his mat, and he walked. Now, this was the day of the Sabbath. Jesus, um, sorry, the Jewish leaders said, said to the man who was healed, it is Sabbath. You aren't allowed to carry your mat. He answered, the man who made me well um, told me to pick up my mat and walk. They inquired, who is this man who said to you, pick up your mat and walk. The man who had been cured didn't know who he was because Jesus had slipped away from the crowd that was gathered there. Later, Jesus found him in a temple and said, see, you have been made well. Don't sin anymore in um, case something else worse will happen to you. The man went uh, the man went and proclaimed to the Jewish leaders that Jesus, the man, Jesus was the man who made him well. As a result, the Jewish leaders harassed Jesus since this was done on the Sabbath. 
Jesus replied, my father is working, so am I working too. Thanks. Yeah. All right. So I asked Sean to read the scripture. I'm like, you're the man for the job. So, man, it's good to be here, guys. Um, one of the things like I like to do is share from this passage, and um, uh, my style is, you know, it's slash teaching and conversation. And so um, I like to even leave some time at the end for talk back, right? So anything that stands out to you, you get to share, um, you know, anything that resonates with you. Um, and what I've seen as people do this, too, it becomes very edifying even for others um, as, you know, you can just freely process. It's like, hey, that was really interesting when you said this, and this is what I thought about, um, you know, and, and so I just kind of want to open that space up, you know, and keep that in mind. So um, one of the things that, uh, you know, when I was studying for this, what I want to start with is um, there was this movie called Brothers. Um, pretty sure that's the name, Brothers. Have you ever seen Brothers? Um, and it's, uh, it, so I'm just going to go right into it and give you like a major spoiler and tell you exactly what happens at the end. <laughs> just, okay. All right. So some of you are like, is he kidding? Is he not? It just doesn't matter. So this is the thing. In the movie, I won't give you a spoiler, but it's all focused on these two brothers, right? And, and the context or, or kind of like, yeah, some of the, the environment that they're in is in this like MMA fighting world. And, uh, and it was really interesting because when I watched the movie, I, it, was, it was one of those things that, you know, I went to watch it but did not know anything about it, which is sometimes fun. Um, and then right, right, right away I realized, like, whoa, it's MMA fighting. I have no idea, you know, about this world. You know, I don't really watch MMA fighting. I don't know anything about it. So, you know, it was all kind of new to me. And so uh, one of the things that stood out to me that I'll share with you, so I'm not going to get into, like, you know, the major crux of the story, anything like that. But it's all about these two brothers. They're fighters and um, an amazing, amazing story with that. But there was a point in the, in, in the movie where one of the brothers wa went to the trainer, uh, a friend that he knew, and he wanted to get trained. He's going to go in this tournament. And so he goes to the trainer, you know, and they have this conversation. And then um, he's walking with, with the brother, like, you know, having a conversation with him. And this trainer begins to say these, this phrase to the other guys that are sparring, you know, that are fighting. Like, you can see him fighting in the background. And, and the trainer, it was really interesting because, you know, it was kind of on the side, right? And he says this word, he's like, move or die, move or die. At first when he said it, I thought it was some kind of like, like Polynesian, like war cry because he said it so fast. I'm like, move, die. I'm like, what's that? What's that mean? I'm like, look that up. No. But like, he was like, move or die because he was, these guys are like in the middle of a fight, you know what I mean? Or they're sparring. And I'm like, oh, I get it. He's saying move or die, you know? And so, um. And I thought about that, and it was, it was in the point when these guys are sparring where it's like one guy is holding another guy. It's in that moment where, you know, the, the fighter, I guess, you know, they're, they're wrestling, but one guy is literally holding another guy. He has kind of this advantage, right? So um, and I know it's kind of funny because I don't know anything about MMA fighting, and I'm sure there's someone here going like, this guy is an idiot. Are you seriously talking about this right now? So I'm just using basic lo logic here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the little bit of logic that I have. So anyway, uh, and so it made me think about this, though. 
Because I love that phrase, move or die. It's like so like straightforward, right? And, and it makes sense, right? Because it's in the middle of a fighting situation. This is a competition. It's like you don't have, there's no gray area here. And then I also thought about how there's a difference when if the fighter like punches him or kicks him, but the, it, that compared to when the fight, another fighter is holding you, right? If you get punched, okay, that hurts, got it, right? You get kicked, that hurts, but there's still a gap from where you are and from where the, you know, the other person is. And what I realize is how, you know, that phrase made me think about in that moment when you're being held. And once again, I've never even wrestled before. I mean, the only time I wrestled was like for fun in seventh grade. And it was my friend that I thought I can beat because he was like this short little dude. I'm like, man, I could take this guy, you know, because he was like, we're being rough. And I'm like, seriously, you, oh, you're punching me right now? Okay, I'm going to, you know. And, then, and I knew he knew how to wrestle, but I'm like, he's small. Like, what can he do? And then I was like, you know, my head was down. I'm like, you know, I didn't, I didn't have tap out back then, but I was, you know, crying. Going, okay, okay, you know. Anyway, but he just like was on me and he did these moves. And I, for some reason, I was in a pretzel and I didn't know what to do. That was my only experience. So my point is, is that there's that point where, if you do not move and you're being held down, that is the most vulnerable situation. You know, and, and, and I can't imagine, like, to think, like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel this pressure. I feel this strength. And there's the moment in a transition where one fighter is literally going to get stronger. But part of that strength is coming because you are stuck and you just don't move. You know, that's move or die. So this morning... As we dive into this passage, um, I want to talk about how to move out from areas where you're stuck. Move out from areas where you're stuck. And it's really interesting because, you know, think about this. Think about this. That it's like to really move out from areas where you're stuck, really it's to begin to understand where you're stuck. And I'm going to share something personal from my life, um, and it's incredible, gosh, incredible, incredible transformation. Um, and, and, and I'm just, just happy of a lot of fun, joyful experiences that I'm having in my life that I did not have before. Um, and I want to, you know, share that with you. But a big part of that was that I was literally so stuck. I didn't even realize how stuck I was. But it was so important. It was so important for me to move out from that place, but I had to start somewhere. So that's what we're going to talk about. So as Sean was reading this passage, um, you know, Jesus comes to this place where it's at the pool, right? And there's a multitude. Uh, you notice that? There's that light coming in. I gotcha. <laughs> Meant to be. Uh, anyway, um, it's actually distracting me now. No, no, I'm just kidding. But Jesus comes to this place, and there's, like, a multitude, right, of people that are physically, um, you know, they, physically ill, right, from the lame, the blind, the sick. And there was this idea that, you know, it seemed to be superstitious, right? If the, the waters would, would, the angel would stir the waters, and the waters would stir, that if you can touch the waters, you can be healed. Um, and so Jesus comes to this place, and there's, you know, a lot, a lot of people just there, right? Um, and here's this environment, right? This is an example, like, to me, like, the brokenness of humanity, right? 
this, this to me in that environment would be probably pretty discouraging, right? Um, for people to wait there continuously um, just for this thing that most likely isn't going to happen. And Jesus, Jesus uh, goes to this one person. And, you know, one of the things I want you to think about as we continue through this passage is how God is, is still a God of compassion. And I say it that way because, gosh, I don't know, like I've been hearing so many uh, you know, whether it's through the news or even just like stories from my personal friends of just tragedies and just very unfortunate things. And it can get kind of overwhelming at times. And I think about how, God, where are you? Where are you in, you know, this, this kind of chaos in our world, you know, and just close people like suffering and their kids suffering and, um, you know, just very like rare diseases that kids have that, you know, um, you know, things like that. And I'm like, where? Where are you? And, and so this is a great reminder because, um, you know, God is, God is a God is still compassionate. That Jesus, um, you know, finds this one person, is, comes to him. But it's really interesting. It's this, think about this. Think about it's the helplessness of the man that is drawing God closer to him. It's the helplessness of the man that was drawing Jesus to him. You know, Jesus didn't heal all of them, but he did go to this one person. And that's what we want to look at but how it starts with compassion. And, and so Jesus approaches him, and he asks the man the question, do you want to be healed, right? Do you want to be healed? Now, think for a moment. Um, I have two boys. One's 10, one's 16. My 16-year-old, he just started riding his bike, right? And uh, it, which is, you know, interesting. I grew up riding my bike when I was, like, seven, you know? And I don't know. It's just this area is just... He just never really rode his bike a lot. So he started riding his bike, whatever, like 15, okay? You know, and, and so he got a flat tire, right? And he's like, Dad, I got a flat tire. I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, do, do, you, do, you wanna, do you want that to be fixed? You know, like that would be me asking him that question, equivalent to that. Do you want it to be fixed? You're like, you're, right? you, you, want, you want your bike to work, you know? And he'd be like, uh, why are you asking me that question? Of course, I want you to do it, right? That's the assumption, <laughs> you know? I started fixing my flat tires when I was like nine years old. I'm not going to fix that flat tire. You can YouTube that sucker. Anyway, because <laughs> I haven't done it for a long time. No. Uh, and, 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 and this is real conversation that I have with him. But it would, and, I, and I ask questions like that. Oh, do you want your bike to be fixed? He's like, Dad, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to school, so I might be late. Oh, you want to get to school on time? I, I'm not driving you. You know, it's just, you know, and it's just this sense like, that's a strange question, Jesus. Why are you asking that question? I'm sure you have the idea of what's going on in this situation. And what I think about is how, like, you know, Jesus asking that question was not necessarily for him, uh, for, for, for him, you know, Jesus, but it was more for the, the man that felt helpless. It was really more for him. It opens up this conversation and allows this man to respond. And then we look at his response, right? Um, and he's helpless. It's like right away. It's like, I'm, this is what I'm trying to do. I've been here for 38 years. I can never get to the pool on time. Um, and it's just, you know, he's believing in this thing that's going to work. He didn't even recognize Jesus. 
most likely disconnected, um, you know, from family. But just looking at that response was, he's, he's helpless. And so that question is, not, is, is, is really for him to, that man, to even think for a moment, that question is really for that man to get clarity, just to get clarity. What do you mean by that? Well, it's pretty clear, like, if he's been there for 38 years, he, know what, he knows what his situation is, right? He's pretty clear. Like, I cannot walk. I'm with everyone else. I have their problems, and I'm here waiting just like everyone else, and this is just what we do. That's our situation. Sounds pretty helpless, right? But this is the thing. It's like, it's, it's one thing to know that you, you want something. Like, for example, it's one thing for him to know that he that he kind of wants to be healed, but is there an actual desire? Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Um, people like to be helpless. I know, uh, because I have kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I love the 16-year-old because, you know, teenagers are a fun age to watch. I'm just now learning how to enjoy watching teenagers. Like, look at all those hormones going. Woo, he's losing it, you know. And, and you know, before I would react. Now I'm just sitting back and like, this is like, this has been a movie, you know. And, and, you know, he'll come in, like, early in the morning, like, Dad, where's my breakfast? I'm like, I have no idea. I have no idea. He's like, make me breakfast. I'm not even going to respond to that. You know, that's our real conversation because he knows, you know, that's your responsibility. But it's this idea that, like, I notice how not just my kids, but overall people and myself, and this is going to be part of my story, we like to be, I shouldn't say we like, but we're comfortable in being helpless. It's attention grabbing. There's responsibility. When we're not helpless anymore in certain areas, you know, for a moment, think about, you know, if you could be, if you're stuck in an area, in a sense, you feel helpless, you get attention. And you, you, in some ways, you, there's a, you don't have to be responsible to some extent, right? And there's this, there's this sense where we can get so familiar and helpless in specific areas in our lives where we just get used to it. Just get used to it. Um, and so Jesus asked that question and the man just shares. And this is the thing that was interesting. Like he shares his situation, but somehow, cause I was thinking about it further. It's like, well, what, what's, you know, what's underneath, right? What's underneath his situation? Because another thing to think about is how this man, as he shares a situation, you hear his own story, right? This is my story. What is the story? I'm helpless. I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. And I've been here for 38 years. Like, I'm, I'm not sure this is going to work. I was at an art show yesterday. A good friend of mine, he does, like, live painting. Like, he could do this amazing painting, like, within an hour, right? And it's awesome. He was, he was in Santa Monica, and he's doing it, and all these people are like, whoa, that's cool, and stuff like that. And I was, like, jealous. I was like, man, he gets all the attention. No one knows who I am. I'm, like, standing next to him. You know, and everyone's talking to him. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't jealous. <laughs> so, but like he's just going at it and he does his thing. So I was talking. I was like, hey, you know, Shane, what, man, what's going on? Like, and talking about branding, like, man, just keep at it. And he's like, you know, listen, man, I, I've been doing this for 15 or 20 years. I work all the time. I get it. But, you know, I'm just, 
yeah, I'm just working hard. Hopefully that happens, you know? It's like he feels helpless. Like he's doing everything in his, you know, what he thinks he can do, and he's worked super hard, but he's just not at the level that he really wants to be at, you know? Um, you know, and so what, think about how, what, what's the question that will open it up for you, right? That you can see even your situation, but more than that, where you feel helpless, but more than that, but you can actually see a story that you're kind of telling yourself that's just not serving you. It's just not. And it is connected to that situation. Like, man, this, this sucks. You know, I'm looking for work or I have a job. I'm trying to get this, right? I got these areas in, uh, in, my, in, in my marriage. I just can't figure out, you know? And I know for me, there, there are certain, like I struggled with anger for years. My dad, major anger problems. It came out more when I had kids. And, uh, and I remember just doing a number of things like, counseling, reading books, on and on and on. I, mean, I got tired because it just felt like I just felt helpless. And I would see little improvements, but never a significant change. You know, that was my situation, right? But my story was, well, I did the best I can. I don't really know if this is going to work out. But as long as I keep doing something, you know, my story is that I didn't think I can really be free. And it's below the surface, though. You know, sometimes we're so consumed with our circumstance, right, with our brokenness, with our, not even our pain. I think we're usually aware, unaware of our pain. But our circumstance or that challenge that's in front of us. And yet, God is drawn from the pain that we experience. He's drawn to us. But he doesn't just want to connect. And I look at the story. Like, he doesn't, Jesus wasn't just going to connect with the pain, right? Um, but he's going to connect with that desire. But sometimes to see a desire in, in specific areas where we're stuck in, we need to be aware of that story we're telling ourselves. We need to be aware of the, the reality of the pain that we're, that we've had, you know, or that's there. And that's challenging. That's challenging. And so Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? And it opens it up. What's that question for you? It can come in different ways, but what's that question that can get you beyond your situation but to see your story? And most likely, if you see that story, it's connected to some pain that's keeping, that can keep you stuck. And so... Um, Whoa, what time is it? 10, 15, okay. Uh, <laughs> I know, like, when I started talking a lot, I was just like, I got to, like, check in. like, woo, okay, time, got it. So a um, so little bit about transition, a little bit about what has happened um, in my life. Like, like, I feel like a little kid. Like, I'm excited. Like, seriously, like, 18 months ago, 18 months ago, I went to this leadership training, um, and this is where something really happened in my life. Now, pr- but prior to that, prior to that time I went to that, leadership workshop 18 months ago, I was like, basically, yeah, I was carrying this, this issue of pain in my life that I had no idea. So my background is this, is that I pastored for about 17 years, and I transitioned out of a pastoral position about 10 years ago. Um, and I pastored, the last church was a, a fairly large church, and I was associate pastor um, at a church in Covina. 
So um, I was there for three years, and it was so, it was the most challenging ministry experience, um, you know, for my ministry career. So uh, I just, you know, and I won't get into the details, um, but it was basically, I just, there was such a disconnection between me and the person over me, which was a senior leader. And, and it just kept building. And, and this is the thing. It wasn't necessarily performance. Like, you know, sometimes in big churches, it's very prog programmatic, and, you know, you kind of fill in, the, I don't know, they have all these, like, guidelines, you know, and checklists, and, you know, performance-wise, that wasn't an issue. You know, I, whatever, performed and fit out all the things and, you know, hit, hit all the indicators, right? But it was just the constant I felt. And that's the key word, feel, okay? So I realized this could be another version here. But I just felt like I was being questioned. And literally, I would, they would call me in the office, and he would question my motives. He would question my intentions. You know, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Like, here's my performance. This is what I've done. And, is, it, and, it, it, and it always comes back to, like, are you on the same page kind of thing, you know? This is my philosophy. This is how I do things, you know? And, and that was came down to it. It's like, I just... I had a different way of doing things, and he had his way of doing things, you know. And, 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 and it was a prideful issue for me. It's like, hey, but if I'm getting results, that's all I care about, right? But it's not going to work. It didn't work. <laughs> it did not work. So there was so constant tension. And it was this building, like, and, and, and I just didn't feel support. I felt criticized and on and on and on. And it was stressful. And it was, see, it's one thing, like, when I was pastoring to minister to the people, you know, that I was ministering with, and sometimes that can be challenging, but that was nothing compared to not getting along with someone that was over me. Like, it was, it was just a whole different thing I experienced. So it culminated to this point where I eventually um, felt the release to transition out, okay? Um, no immorality, no fraud, anything like that. Got to clarify that, because whenever I tell the story, people are like, what really happened, man? Come on, <laughs> tell me the truth. I'm telling. So thankfully, thankfully, you know, I'm glad. So... I, tra I transitioned out, and on the day, you know, I started, um, like, before I left, I started, like, a satellite church, you know, they, they adopted a church, and it was whatever, I had to start it, restarted. So I took a year and a half, restarted, and I loved it, you know, it was like, you know, built this sense of community, uh, invested in the people. I mean, this, 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 these are the people, this satellite church is where I spent most of my time. So on the day I was announcing I was leaving, I, you know, I shared, and then the senior leader came, and I didn't even know he was going to do this, but he's like, okay, um, you know, uh, I just want to let you guys know, um, you guys need to um, uh, cut ties with Guido and Katie now, right? Like, cut ties? I mean, those are the words. I didn't know he was going to say that. And, and maybe I'm naive, I don't know, but, like, that was, whew, that was really painful. I mean, these were, these were people that I spent most of my time with. I opened my house to, um, I invested, but, and I know I'm making it sound like it's more, it's about me, but... I was really close to them. And for him to just say, cut ties? I wasn't planning on moving out of the area right away. I owned a house. It wasn't like I was going to leave in a month. He you know, probably thought he probably wanted me to leave in a month. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I, it was like a knife that just went through, like, what I felt. I mean, this is, this is what I had done. This is, at that point in my life, this is all I knew. And there was just this sense of rejection. And then I had this thought, like, they're not going to listen to him. I'm the one that, like, I've been the one supporting these people. And that was what was painful. It was not 
that was started it, but it was when people just literally disengaged relationally all across the board. There was only one family that didn't, uh, which was kind of cool because we went to the beach together with the same family. So, uh, so we stayed friends, which is awesome. But it was like everyone else. It was just, it was, yeah, it was super painful. You guys, <laughs> like I can still feel the pain. But let me tell you. Okay, so this is the thing. I shoved that pain so deep because for me, it was like, okay, God, you know, suck it up. And, and, and I went through the process, counseling, prayer, on and on and on, you know. And, and still, I felt this pain. And I just, in order to survive what I was thinking, that I need to keep going, you know. I need to provide for my family. I got to figure this out. What am I going to do next? And all the on and on. So I just shoved it down deep, you know. Um, to the point, I think I forgot about that even. I forgot that it even happened. That's how bad it was. I shoved that thing so deep. Um, and this is the thing about the pain, right? That you can't isolate pain. You can't ignore it. It's, it's not going to just go away. But I didn't realize it. It was like, the best way to describe it, uh, it, was like, it was something like eating inside of me, like little by little by little. Hey, I was doing other things. I mean, I was working it with I empathize. So th- there were things that were movement that were good, but it was like something on the inside that was just eating away. And where it shows up the most, um, well, one main area is, is my marriage, because that's someone that's the closest to me. And really, um, for the first time, I mean, we, in our marriage, the first time, we were talking about divorce. In fact, well, I wasn't talking about divorce. She was talking about divorce. <laughs> I mean, but, that, but, but it was on the table, because there was so much disconnection. And I... Remember, and this is prior, this is, so we're, we're talking about two years ago. I remember just in such a, a mode like, I'm trying to do everything possible, but it seems like everything is falling apart. It was this, I just didn't understand it. So 18 months ago, I go to this leadership training. And, um, and I also told this friend of mine, he's like, I'm going to go too. This crazy guy ended up going. I'm like, this leadership training is supposed to be about me. And then like, he's there and you know, he's getting a breakthrough and all this. Anyways, he's sitting, he's sitting in this area. Anyway, so I won't say his name, but I'll look over there in a moment. No, so, so anyway, like, so I go to this thing, and, and, and just to summarize it, it's basically, it was the environment that opened the door to actually see how painful that really was and for me to get in touch with that pain. But that's just the beginning. Because when I got in touch with the pain, and think about this, like, like, I, I hate pain, to be honest. Like, anything uncomfortable would be like, ooh. And especially after I experienced that with that senior leader, like, anything uncomfortable would be like, ooh, no, 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 that's too painful. You know, I don't want to do that. Not too painful. Oh, makes me feel uncomfortable, you know. And, and I think of it this way. Like, the best analogy ever is to step on, like, a, either a small piece of glass is probably the, the best example, right? Like, the smallest one, and it just, like, slides into your toe or something. You ever had to get that out? Like, it's the hardest thing. I know, it's very recent, so it's fresh. And like, and like you're trying to, you're, first you're trying to squeeze it out, right? Okay, this is the most like, you know, non-resistant, most, uh, you know, painless way. But that's not working, right? And I remember having so lodged in there, and I had to get like a needle. Okay, there's probably a better method, but I don't know. This is the one that my wife told me. And so, so I'm getting a needle and trying to get to it, and then I have to poke around it to open it up. And then if you touch the piece of glass, 
but, but because it's so lodged in there, it's like painful. So, but that's the only way to get it out. Like, it sucks, right? And then my wife's like, oh, let me do it. I'm like, whoa, no. It's like one thing that I'm producing pain to myself, but it's another thing, someone else completely in control of that, forget that, you know? And so that's what my life had been, you know? And, you know, especially shoving it down. But it was in that time I got in touch with it and released it. And, and even now, I can, I can feel the pain, but it does not have any effect. It doesn't. And that's where I feel free. But what I'm learning, and I see in this passage, there's a difference. There's a difference between freedom and responsibility. That was just the beginning. Then it was a process to walk through and to progress, um, to live differently, and to change my story. Because really, at that point, um, and Sean can tell you, too, is like, you know, I had a story. Oh, man, this, man, this pastor did this, and, you know, I was all that, and it was his fault, you know. I wouldn't talk like that, but, I mean, as I'm sharing the story, you know, and I can sound polished and all that, but underneath, it's like, no, it's his fault. That's what you're saying, you know. I was blaming. That's all. You know what my story is now? You know what my story now is for that? It's like I allowed that senior leader to hurt me. That's all. I allowed it. And now it's my, my opportunity to be responsible. I'm telling you, when I saw that, that wasn't easy. Like, I, it seriously was this insight, and I'll get to this. It shifted something inside me like, I just now broke the mic. Okay. Um, I was so much more empowered coming from that place of empowerment because of that insight. It's not what someone did to me. It's what I allowed. Well, guess what? Now I'm just now being responsible. And that's a completely different place. Jesus asked the question, do you want to be healed? Is there a desire? Or do you want to stay stuck in that helplessness? And as he sounds helpless, Jesus did not just connect with the pain. Think about he connected with the desire. As we... As you begin to explore even your own heart, right, um, and your own situation, and to trust yourself that there's probably a more, there's a desire to get out of the, the most painful things in your life than you realize. That sometimes when there's pain, it covers up the actual desire underneath that's connected to who you are. The desire to have a whole different story that would change everything, but it's hard to get to it. Because pain, like, covers it. It disconnects us to the real desire inside of us. And Jesus is asking this question for the man to connect with the desire in himself. In himself. And then when that happens, things begin to shift. I love it because then Jesus says, get up. You know, and that's the other thing. It's like, whoa, hold on a second. He's been here 38 years. You can't just say, get up. Like, you know, don't you have like a recovery program? Like, you know, a six-month thing? Like, ease them into that, right? It's like, get up. What are you talking about? Because the desire was there. You know, and, and when the desire is clear to him, and then Jesus gives him this promise, guess what? You have nothing to lose. 
Think about it. You have nothing to lose. Get up. And that was for me. You know, I say this is that it was like it was like someone saying, get up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but, you know, uh, but this is a situation. Like, no, no, no. I don't care about your situation, Guido. Just get up. Yeah, but this is what happened to me. No, no, no. Get up. And I realized, like, okay, this person is just going to say get up every time, so I'm going to stop. But my own excuses and all of that, and where I'm stuck the most, I'm going to commit to get up. Hey, listen, you know, sharing the stories, I'm not, you know, just pat myself on the back, but honestly, you can just talk to my wife. <laughs> like, you know, I know she's not here, so I can get away with a lot. No, but... Uh, you can email her. I'll give you her email. You can ask her, is this guy, is your husband, like, serious? Like, were you guys, like, you know, having troubles in your marriage and stuff like that? But, man, we have the best time. We do. And we still get in arguments, but it's a lot better. Like, it's just more honest and open. I'm telling you guys, like, and this is the thing. This is the thing I'm going to get to because Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be, trans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So renewing, right? It means renovation, transformation. That's um, kind of think of metamorphosis, right? From, from, you know, a caterpillar to a butterfly. Complete transformation. And this is the thing that, that is new to me. It's not new truth. It's truth being applied differently in a new way that for me it was like as long as I believe in God, right, and I trust God, and I do what I can, then it'll all work out. But I never saw the significance in my way of thinking. So as I experienced pain in my life, what I realized was there was a way of thinking that attached to what I was feeling in terms of painful experience. That my mind literally has a way of thinking, a pattern. And so as I began to do... Um, just this incredible just work on myself, I was breaking these patterns over and over and over and over, and it was so connected with this truth. Like, I, I mean, I've taught on this so many times, but I didn't understand an app, a deeper application that eventually transformed, transforming my life. And what it comes down to this is that in the story, the man gives his situation, but the question is this, if, did he, it's one thing, you have your situation, you have your story, but if you believe, if you believe that story that you're helpless, then you will stay stuck. And the, the powerful thing is that Jesus wouldn't ask him a question if he didn't see a desire. That doesn't mean you need to stay there. That you can change your story. You can not have to believe that story about yourself. Because there's something deeper. And God has created us. And there's a truth inside of us of who we are. God has created us to be in his image. And there's, there, there is, there's going to be a desire. There's going to be a desire. You might not feel it. You might not see it. But you're created in his image. There is a desire. Um, Titus 3.5, this is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives to highlight the areas of thinking. Oh, sorry, sorry. 
Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so this is why the way of thinking is really important. Because the role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal truth. And what I saw and see very, very, like, dynamic right now is how the Holy Spirit has been revealing my way of thinking in just the a pattern that has just not been serving me for so many years. And, um, and I seriously have not, this is all new. And, and so and through that, there's just a greater connectedness because it's this role of the Holy Spirit working in that way. So um, Jesus says, get up, take up your mat and walk. He gets up in the place that he's been stuck for 38 years. Same place, um, same mat, and then he gets up. You know, the gift of healing, the gift of healing is not just in Jesus. The gift of healing is actually in him, that man, and it's being unlocked for the first time. Um, Think of it that way. Just think of it that way. It's being unlocked because now there's a desire. Now there's this moment and a promise given to him. And now his, he's going beyond his situation, beyond his story, and realize, whoa, there's another, a whole other option here. There's a whole other option. I have a question, and then let's, let's uh, take a moment here in um, a time for a response um, and see what you guys think. Um, but actually, no. I'm not gonna, I was going to ask that question. That's a... That's an unnecessary question. <laughs> um, so what, what do you guys think? Um, feel free to share what, what stands out, uh, what what's, you know, stands out to you, anything that resonates with you that you'd like to share. Just with helplessness, um, whenever, like, I, I've seen that in myself, I've seen that in a lot of other people in my life, that, like, believing in the helplessness of the situation will 100% keep you in the helplessness of your situation, because even when offered a way out, or offered the freedom, if you don't take hold of it, and you still believe your situation is helpless, that's, that's the prison that you build around yourself, um, so I just really appreciated that you highlighted that, as is it. What I took away is that changing one word can change the narrative. And to the examples I can see is I volunteer at the Safari Park downtown and at, in San Diego, and the tigers, they continually pace their enclosures. And I was talking to one of their ambassadors, and they're like, they're not pacing, they're patrolling. And I'm like, oh! And for me personally, is I don't suffer from depression. I battle it. And so it's just changing one word sometimes changes the whole outlook. Uh, 
Um, I just loved everything we were talking about, the helplessness stuff. But something that I love about this story is um, that this is someone, I feel like it's really easy for us to kind of get in our own like butt kicking mode. Like, do you want it? You know, like go get healed, you know? Um, and there's definitely an element of that to this story. But oftentimes I feel like we're drawn to the people who are doing everything they can to get healed. And God, Jesus in this story notices the person who we might look at and be like, well, what is that guy doing? You know, we'd be like, well, he doesn't really want it, you know, so he's not really deserving of it. Let's give it to the people who do whatever they can to get into the water or this and that. And I just love that Jesus is drawn to the person, you know, who views himself as, as helpless. So. Yeah, I took a couple of notes, um, but the one thing that really uh, stood out to me or just was that thought of the pattern of the pain just kind of envelops, you know, envelop that guy in, in us to just almost paralyze us, not only physically, you know, but also mentally. And it just the, the question, and going back to what Lisa said, the question of just like, or the, just the one word that reframed it, you know, kind of like connects it to, I think you said, um, the desire unlocks a new way of thinking. And it's just that, that, that new word or that new question just unlocks like, oh, you know, hey, maybe I can, I can start, to, start to, you know, form new patterns, um, you know. So that was, that was the overarching thing that I kind of pulled away from, from it. I think I really um, just, I, I love the focus at the very end, like we were kind of talking about, you know, like at the, you kind of, we were kind of, like, kind of like what Sean was saying, like you were kind of breaking the thought patterns. Because I feel like sometimes, at least for me, like, I mean, until recently, like for example, when something like hits my life, right, I just kind of take it as a victim. Like, oh, you know, especially coming from, well, personally coming from a, like a place where like my parents separated. So like this feeling of unwantingness. So when like, certain people do something, I just automatically say, oh, it's because of that. But then like I started questioning my thinking more, kind of like what you were saying, like even with your anger. And I love that thought because especially like when you pulled up Romans 12, chapter 12, verse two, I, it just really didn't dawn on me until you said that. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So the mind is key to that transformation. It's not, oh, like my actions or my heart, it's actually the way I think. And so I just love that concept because, like, you're, you know, you're saying that you, you, like, you're with your senior pastor. You're like, I allowed him. I know that seems kind of like, well, that's kind of messed up, like, but it actually empowers you. Like, empowers you to say, you know what? Okay, should another, like, situation like that arise, I don't have to allow it, right? And so that gives you that power. So should another person, like, you know, say, oh, you're not good enough or, you know, tell you that you suck. But you can actually think in your mind, wait, do I have to let that bother me? No, I don't have to. And that's the empowerment of the mind. So I, I love that focus. You want to come up here and share some more? Or no? <laughs> that's awesome, man. Hey, you guys. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, thank you guys for sharing. It was great to hear you guys. All right, I'll just pray and uh, close our time. God, I just thank you for... This church, I thank you for everyone here, God. I, I just want to pray um, a prayer blessing um, 
God, I just pray that you continue to work in their hearts. Um, I'm thinking about just the, the time that they're in, you know, a, a transition of, of leadership. Um, and God, I just ask that you continue to give them that strength. Like, in my mind, I think it's so encouraging to see how active they still, how active they are. Um, it's not like things are put on hold or they're just waiting. Um, but God, I just pray that, that you, you would continue to support them and continue to empower them, continue to, to draw them closer uh, to each other and to you. And, 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 and even with this, this message, God, I just pray that, um, that you continue to guide and direct them to break through in areas of their mind and that there'd be greater transformation that would begin to progress in each of their lives. Um, allow the desire uh, to, to be felt, God, inside of them, uh, even beyond uh, any pain um, or helplessness that they would feel. And I pray this in your name. Amen.